the second petition in the prayer that uh, given to the disciples in Matthew 6.10. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now chapters 5 and 7 of Matthew as a block of scripture is commonly referred to as the Sermon on the Mount. Most scholars say these scriptures were compilations of several teaching sessions of Jesus, which are addressed to disciples and not to the general populace. More importantly, these three chapters developed the precept of a spiritual kingdom, which was introduced in Matthew 3.2, Matthew 4.17, and Matthew 4.23. A kingdom, to be a legitimate kingdom, must have at least three things. A king territorial over which the king exercises control, and subjects over which control is exercised. God consistently offers his dominion prototypes prior to introducing full operational models, and a kingdom is not an exception. In the Old Testament, after identifying subjects over which he would be king, he then supplied the territory which they were to inhabit. One might say that the books of Exodus through 1 Samuel could fairly be called prelude to the kingdom. Now, in Matthew, Jesus tells us that we should petition for the realization of his kingdom. Most will recognize these verses as part of what is commonly called the Lord's Prayer. Jesus is pointing to those things about which we should be concerned. A spiritual kingdom being one of the concerns. Significantly, the scripture also provides the relative priority which should be attached to our request to God. And here we see in that text, his first is his character, and then he is concerned about the office of king. While some Bibles substitute term kingdom of heaven, the primary idea is a spiritual kingdom. Let me suggest that many believers are probably locked into the single-dimension concept of heaven and get a little thought as to what is meant to be part of a kingdom. The kingdom of God, in my reading of Scripture, is about much more than salvation and gathering around the glassy sea. It is a real state with a king serving subjects and a well-defined territory that exists in three dimensions. Currently, our king's territory does not include the entire universe as there is surrounding a kingdom ruled by Satan, that is, the counterfeit kingdom. The command in Matthew 6.33 is, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all those things will be added to you. Let's look at the past, present, and future of the kingdom of God. God's general or all of history sovereign rule expressed in Daniel 4.34. And I quote, At the end of time, I, Nebuchadnezzar, raised my eyes towards heaven and my sanity was restored. Then I praised the Most High. I honored and glorified him who lives forever. His dominion is an eternal dominion. His kingdom endures from generation to generation. All the people of the earth are regarded as nothing. He does as he pleases with the powers of heaven and the peoples of the earth. No one 
can hold back his hand or say to him, what have you done? Then there's the present personal dimension of his rule. When he draws an individual out of unbelief through spiritual regeneration and into a willing subject of the kingdom, Jesus becomes Lord. With this citizenship comes the responsibility. Now, get this. There's a responsibility to wear the colors. One must be infused with the ways of the kingdom, then witness to the world the ways of the kingdom and moves out to capture territory from the other kingdom. The future coming of the kingdom. When Jesus returns to clean up this mess and the kingdom does, in fact, become universal. The short form of Westminster Confession has scriptural insight on the on this second petition, and it's question 102. What do we pray for in the second petition of the Lord's Prayer? And the answer is, in thy kingdom come, we pray that Satan's kingdom may be destroyed. The devil sinned from the beginning, and the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. There's Romans 15, 20, 16, 20. The God of peace will soon crush Satan under his feet. The grace of your Lord Jesus be with you. 1 John 3, 8. The one who does what is sinful is of the devil because the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work that the kingdom of grace has, may be advanced. In Matthew 24, 14, and this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. And finally, the Second Thessalonians 3, 1 through 3. As for other matters, brothers and sisters, pray for us that the message of the Lord may be spread rapidly and be honored just as it was with you, and pray that we may be delivered from wicked and evil people. For not everyone has faith. But the Lord is faithful, and he will strengthen you and protect you from the evil one. And finally, there's Revelation 22:20. 20. He who testifies these things, yes, I'm coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. Even though the kingdom of God comes when the individual believes in Christ and responds to the gospel, which expands the kingdom, Satan will counterattack with great intensity to protect his kingdom. The devil's children will be with us in ever-increasing numbers right up to the very end whenever be every knee shall bow. In the 13th chapter of Matthew, there are six parables about the kingdom of God, beginning with the sower and ending with the dragnet designed to illustrate the kingdom concept, its citizenship and consequences of being in the other, the counterfeit kingdom. And this is a quote from C.S. Lewis. If I find myself a desire which no experience in this world can satisfy, the most probable explanation is that I was made for another world. Where the king is, there is the kingdom. Bless you all and good day.